but I'm holding on to the promise that your love is so much stronger than whatever troubles me. Sometimes it takes a So here's my question. We talk a lot about, I want to get a hold of God. But are you willing to let God get a hold of you? Sometimes his getting a hold of us might not necessarily be what I wanted it to be. I heard the story. It was told as a true story, and so I'm, I'm going to walk it as a true story. But of a dad who was driving in his old truck on the dirt roads of the country. And somewhere in the midst of that, the passenger side door popped open. And his little son went sliding across the seat. Dad grabbed the only thing he could grab, a handful of hair save the kid's life or at least from injury or leaving the truck the point was I'm sure that didn't feel too good to the son but the dad knew what the alternative was sometimes when you let God get a hold of you it might not be what you think but it's what you need I want to preach a little bit about that today in the hands of God hallelujah I'm so thankful you're here today. As you turn to Jeremiah chapter 19, we'll read verse 1 through 11. But we welcome each and every one of you here. Lighthouse is in a unique place because we're very close to Urshan College and we love our Urshan College students and as they come and as they go. And uh, we're kind of sad a little bit today because Sister Anna uh, Schloop, this is her last service as a lighthouse uh, uh, saint of God. She's headed to Michigan, right? Detroit area, I believe, or in that, that vicinity to work there at a church. 
She's been here uh, for several years. She graduated this spring, and I, you know, told her goodbye, and then I realized she wasn't quite leaving. She still had a few more months, and so now we have to really say goodbye. But Anna, we want to thank you for your work here at Lighthouse, and we are praying blessings upon you and your ministry as you move forward, and we're believing God's going to do incredible things in your life and in the church that you're going to be attending. And uh, if you get a chance today, why don't you shake her hand, if it's appropriate, give her a hug. But we're glad you've been a part of Lighthouse family, Sister Anna. And to all of our Lighthouse students, or all of our uh, uh, Urshan students, we are thankful you're part of the family. And even new Urshan students that, that are here, Sister Martha Jacobson, I believe is how your last name is, but she is, is here and going to be a new student, so they're checking out and scoping out the area and what it's all going to be, but we welcome you to our service today as well, you and your family. But I want to talk to you a little bit about in the hands of the Lord, and if you'll just kind of stick with me for a moment, I want to read a, a, a lengthier portion of Scripture, 11 verses, and it goes like this, chapter 19, Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, hey, Jeremiah, go buy a potter's earthenware flask. Take some of the elders of the people, some of the elders of the priest. Go out to the valley of the son of Hinnom at the entry of the potsherd gate and proclaim there the words that I tell you. You shall say, hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such disaster upon the place that the ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. Because the people have forsaken me, they profaned this place by making offerings in it to other gods whom neither they nor their fathers nor the kings of Judah have known. And they have filled this place with the blood of innocence, have built the high places of Baal to burn their sons in the fire as burnt offerings to Baal, which I did not command or decree, nor did it come to my mind. Therefore the days are coming, declares the Lord, when this place shall no more be called Topath or the valley of the son of Hinnon, but the valley of slaughter. And in this place I will make void the plans of Judah and Jerusalem, and I will cause their people to fall by the sword before their enemies, and by the hand of those who seek their life I will give their dead bodies for the food to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the earth. And I will make the city a horror, a thing to be hissed at. Everyone who passes by it will be horrified, will hiss because of its wounds, and I will make them to eat the flesh of their sons and daughters, and everyone will eat the flesh of their neighbor in the siege, and in the distress which their enemies and those who seek their life afflict them. That's some pretty harsh language. God is not real happy at the moment. There's a whole lot tied into here, and I don't have time to unpack it and go through it, but let me just give you a quick uh, synopsis. The Valley of Hinnon that you see here, Topath, that's where they burned their children to the god of Molech and, the, and, and some of these other foreign gods. And, and you, you, you may know it later on in the New Testament as Gehenna, Valley of Hinnon. Gehenna means the lake of fire. By the time Jesus shows up to Jerusalem, it's a trash heap that they just would throw their trash out and fires burn constantly. And when Jesus said, all liars shall have their place in the lake of fire. He really would have said, if I understand the Hebrew, he would have said, all liars shall have their place in Gehenna, the lake of fire. And they would have smelt that, that burning and that debris and that rubbish. This was not a good place to be. And he said, I'm tired. I've given you all the chances I can give you, and you haven't listened. 
So I'm going to come and there's going to be a siege. And you, you thought you were worshiping gods when you sacrificed your children, but there's going to be a siege where you'll eat your children. And you can find that in, in some of the kings and the chronicles where they tried to sell their children for food. They had nothing to eat. It's horrible. But verse 10. Then you shall break the flask. What's the flask? It goes back to verse 1. Go buy a potter's earthenware flask. You'll break the flask in the sight of the men who go with you and shall say unto them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, So will I break this people and this city as one who breaks a potter's vessel so that it can never be mended. And I want to preach to you today in the hands of God. Father, we thank you today. Oh, I have felt your presence and and, and I, I, I don't know the words to properly say that, but thank you for being in this place today and allowing us to worship you. And you reciprocate our worship by your presence. We appreciate that. Thank you for each and every one that's here. Would you be with them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated. Just kind of hang with me. Keep that. If you have a, a paper Bible, which I assure you, I'm, I'm sure you do, um, keep it open. I'm not going to do this, but I, I was, I was a, a little, um, not cruel because they impressed me, but I, I asked every one of our hyphen students that was in class day, when they walked in, I asked them this question. When's the last time you read your Bible? Almost to a person, they had all read their Bible within the last 24 to 48 hours. I can handle that. Should I ask? Big church that? <laughs> it's a good question to ask. When's the last time you really read your Bible? And 30 seconds ago doesn't count. Talking about at home. An hour or so ago when Brother Buford was, was teaching doesn't count. Read your Bible. But uh, my mom's not here. She's doing great as she recovers and recuperates from her surgery. She's, uh, she, she was vacuuming yesterday. One hand on a walker and one hand on a vacuum cleaner. So I think she's doing good. I was going to help her, but I don't want her to know that I can vacuum, so I just had to watch her. She's not here. My wife's in nursery. I don't know if she can see us, what's going on. But um, they say that, that, you know, sometimes you just got to unburden yourself and let you know. And I, I was very mistreated as a child. <laughs> Trying to be serious here, guys. I didn't have all the cool toys that all the other kids had. For example, my parents, and this is truth, my parents refused to let me have silly putty or play-doh. They always used some sorry excuse like you'll grind it into the carpet. I think it's just because they were cheap and good old mud was cheaper. Because I had a mud pit half the size of this platform. My dad, if you've ever been around my parents in their house, you know that they are just incredible gardeners. They always have immaculate uh, plants and, and garden and lawn, but they always would leave me one spot that was mine. I could dig to China if I wanted to, and as a kid, I tried a few times. But uh, I love to make holes. But my life has forever been scarred because I didn't have Play-Doh as a child. My development's been very stunted, as you can tell, because I didn't have that tactile uh, uh, ability, but because of that, I've often had a lifetime obsession with that forbidden fruit. I love Play-Doh. I love Silly Putty. I love all of that. I remember a time when Sister Buford and I, we were in Toledo, Ohio. This would have been, oh, probably 
16, 17 years ago, we were in Toledo, Ohio, and we were youth pastors, and one of our young men in the church had to go to the, the hospital for several days, had to have surgery, I don't know if it's gallbladder or what, but he was in, in the hospital for a while. And so I'm being a good minister, Brother Daniel, and I go to the hospital to visit my, my saint, if you will. And someone had given him a care packet, and in that care packet, he had some Play-Doh. And I think I spent more time playing with the Play-Doh than ministering to the sick. And, and there in that hospital room, there were several people that had gathered there. And, of course, as I'm holding the Play-Doh, I'm unburdening myself about my scarred childhood and how I never got to play with Play-Doh. And they heard that, and... And a few days later, after that heart-wrenching story went out, one of the persons in that room went out and bought me some Silly Putty and Play-Doh. And I had a blast with it. Uh, I, I didn't let Z, Zane, this would have been Zane, he'd have been three or four, I didn't let him play with it because we had brand new carpet, and I didn't want Zane to grind it in the carpet, but, but I had fun. How do you know that you've had a child in your old age? For those of you that don't know, we have Zane, who's not, almost 19, uh, here in just a, a month or so, we have Zoe, who's 15, and then we have Zeke, who is uh, 4. And how do you know that you are a, a parent who's really old enough to be a grandparent? It's because Zane and Zoe never had Play-Doh. Zeke has every color of Play-Doh. <laughs> but but I, I, I've always loved Play-Doh. I love Silly Putty. Silly Putty. Shane, Matt, whoever's in live stream, that gets deleted right now. <laughs> I better get spiritual or we're going to have me in trouble. But, but all of that pottery, the art of pottery, has always fascinated me. I love going to Silver Dollar City and spending time in those crafts. And, and I can spend a lot of time in the, in the place of pottery. And, and the reason is, is because always growing up, you would find out that throughout Jesus and through his, his teaching and even in the Old Testament, the Word of God has used a lot of analogies of pottery. I just read you one where, where Jeremiah said, or they said, go buy a, a clay pot, an earthen flask. That's something that's been made of pottery. Go, and then he, he, he preaches, and then to kind of drive home, and he shatters it in the place of them. But, but here's what I like about the Word. Don't just take one verse out, because that's chapter 19 of Jeremiah. Go get a, a, a earthenware flask and shatter it. But if you'll go one chapter back, chapter 18, you have the story of the potter. Where the Lord said to Jeremiah, arise and go down to the potter's house and I'll let you hear my words. I don't know about you, but I've had a lot of sermons preached in some weird spots. Sometimes I'll just sit on the deck and see something in nature and God will begin to speak to me. Because God is always speaking through parables, through signs, through just ways that he kind of taps on your mind, if you will. So Jeremiah goes to the potter's house, and there he sits for a while and watches the potter on his wheel. He's making something, the Bible just calls it a vessel, so it's obviously something that's going to hold some sort of liquid. The potter is making the vessel, and, and he's working it, and, and somewhere in the middle of working that and, and, and getting that all, the Bible says the vessel was spoiled. Something was wrong with the vessel. 
Maybe there was a hard lump of clay that had not been gotten out. Maybe it had gotten too thin, and they, can, they, they call it an explosion. It means it kind of blows out. And, and, or, or maybe one piece was too thick, and it was getting out of whack. But something was wrong with what was in the potter's hand. And so the Bible says, even though the clay was spoiled, he reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good for the potter to do. And the word of the Lord came to me. All of a sudden, the sermon was preached by watching the potter. The Lord began to speak and he said, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter has done? Behold, like the clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. The idea was that Israel, if you'll let me, even if you mess up, even if there's a mistake, even if there's a mar, even if there's a problem, just stay in the hands of the potter for a moment, and if so, everything will be okay. It's, it's uh, Isaiah 51.1 says it like this, and, and, and perhaps I'm mixing metaphors or mixing stories, but it, but it goes like this, Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness. You who seek the Lord, look to the rock from whence you were hewn or where you were carved out of. And to the quarry, or if you read the King James, it says from the hole, the pit in which you were dug. I'm reminded of that old song. My heart was distressed neath Jehovah's dread frown. And lo, in the pit did my sin drag me down. But I cried to the Lord from the deep miry clay, and he tenderly brought me out to golden day. He brought me out of the miry clay. He put my feet on the rock to stay. He put a song in my soul today, a song of praise. Hallelujah. We look at, at, at potters by just going and, you know, they've got these beautiful gray bricks of pottery. In Jesus' time and in Jeremiah's time, they'd have had to go on and find a clay pit. They'd have found a mud pit and they'd have had to get their hands dirty to, to scoop up that, that mud. And then there's different ways that they would clean that clay until it would be usable. They got to get all the rocks out. They got to get all the little twigs out. They've got to get all the different things out until it's usable. And Jesus has done the same to you and me. When I was dead in my sin and trespasses, buried beneath my shame, God got his hands dirty once again. He got his hands dirty at the beginning of creation when he formed man out of the dust of the earth. But he got his hands dirty again in Brandon Buford's life when he reached down into a miry pit and he pulled my life out. And somewhere in my life, he put me on his potter's wheel and he began to make me and he began to form me. He began to work on my life. He formed me. There, there's three lessons. I've preached part of this, and I'm going to hit these three points very quickly again, but, but I'm going to go to something far newer here in a moment. But there's three elements that I have found, and I've, I've spent some time talking to those potters there at Silver Dollar City and other places and at reenactments, and, and they all kind of tell you the same thing. There's three elements that will help pottery uh, and the act of making pottery work, the first one is centering. I've, I've, twice in my life, I've gone to one of these pottery classes. You know, you, you've got a few places here, even in O'Fallon, where you can go and learn pottery. You can make stuff. Twice in my life, I've done that. And and you got to take that clay, that that hunk of clay, and you got to slam it down on the potter's wheel. You got to get it set up, and it's got to be centered. 
If it's not centered, very interesting things happen. Mainly, it flies off. I got a scar right under my chin, same principle. I was working on a lathe, and, and I, was, I was, had a big hunk of wood, and I was going to make a box out of it, and, and I didn't have it centered, and it started spinning at like 3,000 or 3,500 RPMs, this 15-pound block of wood, and, and it, 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 it got loose. It got out of balance, and it flew up, and it hit me right here, and I thought I died. And um, I'm, it, 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 I don't know if it knocked any sense in me. It didn't knock my teeth out, but it, it hurt, but... If, if it's not centered, you tend to fly off. If it's not centered, it can't be built. It'll never work. It'll, it, I don't care if it doesn't fly off, but if it's not centered, anything the potter tries to do will not be symmetrical. It'll be funky. In fact, there's a whole element of art where they do pottery off-centered, and that's how you get these weird shapes, but it's not real usable. So in our life, there is an understanding that you've got to be centered by God. God's got to put you in and put you in the place He wants you in and put you where, where He can do something with you. And the second element is you've got to be pliable. How many of you have ever seen a true potter at work? The rest of you are just missing out on life. Put TikTok up and go to Silver Dollar City and, and park yourself there and watch it. It's really cool. And if you're not going to Silver Rock City, then go to YouTube and you can video or watch a video on, on pottery. But it's amazing how it works. Just it seems like that hunk of clay begins to grow and, and, and just the pressure of the fingers and wherever it does, it's either going to widen or it's going to narrow or it can, it can be a vase shape. It all depends, but it has to be pliable. You don't stick a brick on there and attempt to make a vase out of a brick. It's not going to work. And if the clay gets too hard, then they'll get it wet again and they'll soften it up. And then the third thing that will happen is once they get the look they like, they'll trim it. And they'll throw away pieces that they don't need. All of those three lessons, I could preach a whole message on it. But I, I want to just take a moment. I want to bring you to the next section of that. And I want you to look at the comparison between Jeremiah chapter 18, found on the potter's wheel, in the hands of the potter, making a vessel, and it was marred. Something was wrong, and so the potter started all over again, made it into something special. And then you compare that to Jeremiah 19, where he says, I want you to go find a, 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 a pottery earthen flask. The difference between the pottery in, in Jeremiah 19 and the pottery in Jeremiah 18 is that by the time you got to 19, it had been fired or it had been set out in the sun so that it would, it would harden. And when it's hardened and breaks, you don't fix it. Now, being hard is good. Being hardened is good. It's really hard to drink out of a wet, clayey, muddy flask. So there is a good thing that when that potter gets it all right and when he gets it exactly the way he wants it, he'll put it out in the sun or he'll put it in a kiln and he'll let it dry. But if you get hardened too soon or if you get hard before the, 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 the potter is done with you, you're in a dangerous place because if you break after that, there's no hope. I heard the old song, this morning as I sat on my deck, it was a beautiful day. It was 
not too hot yet. A deer walked out in the backyard. That was kind of fun. Followed by a possum. Not really sure why they were hanging together, but it was weird. But I, I heard that old, old song. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter. I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will while I am waiting yielded and still have thine own way Lord have thine own way thou art the potter I am the clay mold me and make me after thy will while I am waiting here's the key yielded and still in your life even today, you're in the hands of the potter. The song says, while I'm waiting, let me still be yielded. Meaning that, as I said at the very beginning, before I even preached, as they were finishing that song, have you, have you will you allow the Lord to get a hold of you? One of the coolest things is, and, and I want to go to it now that it's been different. Any of y'all been to the Creation Museum, the Ark Experience that's there in, in Kentucky? A few of y'all been. We went to, my wife and I went there before they built the Ark. Uh, it was just the Creation Museum, and it was incredible, and I want to go back so bad. But they had a, they had a whole uh, uh, display of biblical era pottery. And there was a little sign. It had different things that, they, that had been made from, from Jesus' times. And there was a sign. And, and it said this, Brother Hera. It said, if you look close, you can still see the fingerprints of the potter. And it was. You could see it. Some of those pieces, they, they were crude, but they still had the fingerprint. Have you allowed God to get a hold of your life? And if he does, he's going to mold you and make you and push you and prod you and pull you. Maybe in places and direction you hadn't thought about going but you're yielded and you're still. I want to digress for just a moment. This may not apply to everyone here, but I couldn't escape it. Brother, brother uh, uh, Nolan, come up here if you don't mind. I need your help for a second. Psalms, Psalms 133, it says this. Brethren, how good it is for brethren to dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil, the oil that, that flowed on, on the head, running down the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down the collar of his robes. Now, I'm digressing a minute, but, but I, th I think it fits to where I'm at. But the Lord showed me a picture. We've all thought about, you know, how, how did Samuel anoint David? How did 
How did Moses anoint Aaron? Different kings. They'd have had a horn of oil. You know, a ram's horn had oil in it. And they'd have poured it. Now, I could probably get that oil up high enough to pour it on your head, but it'd have been a little difficult. Now, if it's Andy up here, I'd stand on this, this thing. And if Brother Brian Parkey was here, I don't know what I would do. But, but the Lord began to show me, and again, this may not apply to everyone here, but I, I want to say, the only way that that oil could flow from the head down was if the one that was being anointed would be willing to kneel. If you want to be anointed. <laughs> it was at that place of submission that then the oil could flow from the head to the feet. Thank you, Brother could I just tell you today, I want that anointing. And I, I look at the word and the, and the understanding of anointing very differently because there is nothing more that you need than the power of the Holy Ghost that resides in you. And so if somebody gets up to sing or if somebody gets up to preach and they say, pray that God anoints me, what they're really praying is pray I don't forget the words of the song. So I don't get up and say, oh God, today I need a fresh anointing. I need, a, I need a more powerful anointing. No, I've got the power of the Holy Ghost. I need you just to stir up the gift that's within me. Okay, so, so I have a very different view of anointing. I don't, I don't believe in, in, in a secondary anointings. I don't think that's called. I, I, there are callings. There are times that God uses people. But, but what it is, is if you want, if I can use that word a little bit, if you want that anointing to flow, if you want that power to flow, if you want God to use you, you have to be willing to stand in submission or kneel in submission so that that oil can flow. The same goes in the hand of the potter. Are you submitted? The difference between Judas and Peter was simply the position and the, 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 the state of their heart. It was that, that both of them sinned. Both of them uh, uh, let the Lord down in, in just crazy ways. Judas sold him for 30 pieces of silver. Peter cussed and cursed and said, I don't know who this, this dude is. Both of them failed. But the Bible says that Judas went out and wept bitterly but found no repentance. He wept bitterly and then he hung himself. Whereas the Bible teaches and shows that, that Peter, while he was weeping and maybe didn't even understand how he was going to, but, but Peter left his heart pliable. So that when Jesus came out of the tomb and had a conversation with Mary, he was able to say, go tell the disciples and Peter. Now, the parable says this, in my father's house and in the house, the great house, there's, there's different vessels, some for honor and some for dishonor. So again, a vessel, if it wants to be used, there is an element that it's got to get hardened, it's got to go through the fire, but it only goes through the fire when the potter's done with it. But I think all too often in our lives, and even my life, and I, I prayed this morning and prayed before church. I said, God, can I practice what I preach? Am I submitted to you? Am I willing for you to grab hold of my life and pinch and pull and position and move and, and do whatever it takes? Because I want to be used. But I get kind of that picture of one day the the 
hunk of clay on the potter's wheel gets tired of the hand of the master working. And it doesn't understand why it's being pulled and directed in this. And finally it just, and I'm, I'm, I'm really stretching metaphors, but it finally just gets tired. And it jumps out of the, out of the potter's wheel and it goes walking outside. And when the sun beats down, it's frozen in a position that's not good for anything. See, Judas, I mean, his death, that's absolutely a frozen position. There's no, there's no chance of repentance after death. You, that's, that's why, that's why that, that element is so dangerous. I don't want to get to my place where I don't know if God's done with me, but I was done with me. Because God's not done with me. Now, when he calls us home and he calls us heaven, oh, he's going to welcome you, my good and faithful servant. But I'm not ready to just end it right now. So I'll stay on the potter's wheel. And I'll let the hands of the potter mold me and make me. Because even if I'm not 100% right, he can squish it all back down, pull it all back up. He, he can find that hardened lump of clay that was kind of resisting the push of the master and he can take out that stone or that stick that was there in that clay and make it all back. But if I get hard, if I bow up so I can do it my way, then I'm afraid Jeremiah 19 becomes my end where he says, if you break, I don't know that I can help you after that. So what am I saying today on this Sunday morning? I'm simply this. Are you in the hands of the potter? And if so, you're in a great place. Because no matter what mistake, no matter what problem, no matter what flaw, no matter what sin, the master potter knows. And before you were formed, if I can again mix metaphors, he told Jeremiah, before you were formed, before you were created, I knew you. I got a purpose for you. But that purpose will only be revealed if you stay in his hands long enough, submitted, pliable. It's not my will, but thine be done. Not my plan, but thine be done. Not my road, but your road take me on. Not me, but Christ in me. Lead me, and I'll follow. Have thine own Maybe I could roll it down to one word. Are you soft enough for God to still use you? Or has your heart been hardened? And you resist every time he tries to put his hands upon your life. Because that resistance is very real. If the clay is too stiff, if the clay is unwieldy, then that, that potter has to push harder. And as he pushes harder, sometimes that's when the pot blows out. Because he had to push harder than what it needed to be pliable. And the best way to be pliable is to let that water be applied to your life. It's what they do. They've got a bucket of water beside every, every potter's wheel I've ever seen. And they'll dip it out, dip their hands and wet it. And I think right now, we'll sing songs like, Let It Rain. Open the windows of heaven. Maybe we could see that in a little different light. It's not just the windows of heaven and his blessings, but it's also softening up 
sometimes an old hard soul. I've had my moments of hardening. I've had my moments where I resisted, but I'm so thankful I didn't walk away. But I kept in it. And pretty soon I got to a service where those tears began to roll down hardened cheeks. And that soul within me began to soak that up. And once again, I felt the hands of the potter pushing, molding, making, because he's not finished with you. Would you stand with me all across this building? Lord, I feel your presence. God, I'm thankful that you speak in the shout, you speak in the still, small voice, you speak in the quiet, and you speak in the loud. And right now, it's one of those moments where you're speaking to the inner souls of each person that's here. Lord, that, that they, I, I felt it, I can see it in their face as they've locked eyes with me as I've preached. And I can see those light bulbs going off in their head as they examine their own heart, their own soul. They're pressing against their own spiritual soul, seeing, am I still pliable? And I'm in the midst of a people that I believe are. And so, God, once again, we surrender our lives to the hands of the potter. And we ask for you to have your way in our lives. I don't know where you want to take us. I don't know what you want to do with each one of us, but you've got a purpose. Lord, there's callings in this place. But those callings can only be, be used if they're submitted. If they bow up, if they walk away, if they think they can do it all by themselves, they don't need anybody else. That arrogance, that pride, that hardened heart brings them to a place where they can shatter so easy may not be able to be restored so Lord I pray right now with the prayer of an intercessor praying over hardened hearts that you would let your spirit the rain of your spirit begin to soften them that even right now as I pray and take a moment before I bring them to an altar that you would let your, 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 your glory begin to soften them so that they can be used by you I pray give you glory Lord in Jesus name I invite each and every one of you to find a place where you can make sure you're centered on the potter's wheel every one of you from the youngest to the oldest that understands would you take a place where you make sure that you're pliable if he's got to trim off unwanted parts if he's got to trim off pieces that won't be helpful later let him do so at this moment and would you let him mold you. Would you let him make you right now? I turn this soul service over to the Lord and you in Jesus' name.